It's finally time. We're here. We are kicking off our profiles, predictions, and previews, the three Ps of 2023. We got it. We're here. We're so close to opening day. We're going to head to the NLEs first. We're going to go in reverse order. So last year's division rankings, the Nationals finished last. So they're going to get to go first, and the Braves will go last. Let's kick it off. We're heading to the Nationals, and we have Aiden with us today. How are you doing today, Aiden? I'm doing good. Excited to be back for this episode. Thomas Stevs. We got our we got our Nats analyst here. I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. I'm always excited to talk about Nationals. Um, so I just I can't wait to talk about them. I can't wait to watch them play, even if it's going to be abysmal. So just gonna briefly highlight their last season, which as Devs described was abysmal. They went 55 and 107, good for fifth in the National League East. Uh, they traded away Juan Soto, and Steven Strasburg was injured the entire season. I think that's a pretty good synopsis of what happened. Yeah, pretty much. You covered everything. And right. Joey Manessis. That's the only positive. Fair. We did have a positive in Washington, which is rare these days. Uh, Capitals just traded away a lot of their players today. Uh, can someone talk us through our offseason moves with the Washington Nationals? I, I'll do it. So that started off. Um, I mean, we really they didn't really do anything special. Signed Dominic Smith to a one-year $2 million deal. Then went on, signed Corey Dickerson to a one-year $2.25 million deal. Signed Chad Cole to a minor league deal and signed Alex Colomb to a minor league deal. And then wrapping it up, they got Jimer Candelaria to a one-year $5 million deal. It's basically a lot of one-year prove-it deals. Uh, if they do anything, the Nats will probably try and flip them at the deadline for any sort of prospects. Um, and Dominic Smith is kind of, in my opinion, the best of those signings because he never really had an opportunity in New York to prove prove himself as like the everyday starting first baseman and here in Washington he definitely has that opportunity yeah Tom which of these guys are you most looking forward to um of these offseason uh, acquisitions I'm actually excited to watch Jamer Candelario obviously 2022 is a bad season but his 2021 season he was he was an average bat maybe a little bit above average he's not a bad player uh he's got the upside and I think that's what the Nats are looking for I'm not I wouldn't be disappointed as a fan. There's movement in the organization. We're going to talk about some teams that didn't do much that are still bad, but they're not doing much. But this is a team that's working in the offseason and actually, you know, getting pieces. I like it. Yeah. And Aiden, which of these moves do you think is most beneficial looking forward to try to get some prospect capital? Uh, well, if you want to go looking forward to prospect capital, uh, I mean, that, uh, that's a tough one. I mean, I, you know, the big one would be, you know, well, the big one, you know, would be Dom Smith. Um, You know, you have Williams filling in that probably starting pitcher three spot about, um, or, you know, Kendall for third um, for prospects. But like, I mean, then you have Jeter Downs, you know, who I know we didn't, I, I don't think we mentioned, um, who, you know, struggled in Boston for a bit. um, But, you know, maybe now with a new home, he can kind of rekindle. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, so. Aiden yeah, did make a fair point. We did miss out on on that Jeter Downs move. And Trevor Williams, he signed a two-year uh, $13 million deal with the ball club. Um, honestly, that's probably that would probably be their best move. They get a good starting pitcher to help kind of work through these with these young guys and uh, I guess Patrick Corbin. Yeah, so honestly, I think the biggest move that the Nationals could make is sending Patrick Corbin to the bullpen, but I don't know how, how likely that is. I think that's highly likely, or uh, highly unlikely. Tom, can you talk us through the starting rotation? So, I mean, this, is, this rotation has a lot of upside. That's all I'm going to say. 
Um, have they reached their potential yet? No. Um, and I, I think Steven Strasburg's career might be coming to an end. But I think you got a potential good starting three here in Josiah Gray, Kate Cavalli, and Mackenzie Gore. Uh, as Brad was mentioning, though, Trevor Williams might be filling in that last spot. Um, we don't even want to talk about Patrick Corbin, obviously. But Josiah Gray and Kate Cavalli and, and even Mackenzie Gore, we saw they all have tools. Uh, it's just a matter of whether the Nats can, you know, get the most out of them. Um, I think of the three, Josiah Gray is probably has the highest upside. I mean, at least when he was a rookie, uh, he had all the hype on him. Stez, what do you think? I'd say it's Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. I mean, Mackenzie Gore kind of shot up through the through the minor leagues with San Diego. He came out, played abysmally last year, and then got hurt. So, I mean, again, there's a lot of upside on all of these guys. Um, I I like I like the I I, I like the direction of the Washington Nationals, right? I'm gonna talk about that because we you're, we're not gonna we weren't gonna compete at all in the NL East, especially for the next couple seasons at at the rate we were going. So you know what? Blow it up. That's the that's the hardest decision that that teams can make is to just blow it up. So we got guys, we got Josiah Gray, we have Kay Cavalli, we have Mackenzie Gore. Those are three guys that are hardworking. They're at work nearly every single day, and I, I see I can see the view, the vision that Mike Rizzo has. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you know, looking at last season, I think it was kind of you know, obviously, you know, we said this multiple times. Season was abysmal. It, it didn't go any you know, the way anybody wanted. But I think the way, as I just said, blowing it up was the best possible outcome. Um, And we did it. And so, I mean, that you could kind of say, you know, last season, you know, might be, maybe was a little success. You know, like finally, like we can kind of say, you know, okay, thank goodness it's over for being mediocre. Yeah. So in all honesty, they did make some moves. And obviously the biggest one we touched on, Juan Soto getting dealt which basically is their farm system right now. Uh, we can talk about the farm system in a moment. I just wanted to highlight the bullpen a little bit. We got Thaddeus Thaddeus Ward. That is a freaking name right there. Uh, Rosmer Ramirez, Alex Galame, which they project to have on the Major League roster. Sean Doolittle, Victor Arano, Hunter Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr., and Kyle Finnegan. Uh, anything substantial here? These kind of just role players. Uh, I mean, I think the guy with, you know, the most potential would be, you know, Thad Ward um, and, you know, Kyle Finnegan. Finnegan, you know, last season, you know, was, you know, rocky. Um, but I believe 2021 season, you know, he he played he played really well. Um, so I think if he can get back to, you know, his old self, um, he'll be fun to watch and, you know, will be the closer. Um, but Thad Ward, you know, that new piece in the bullpen, I'm I'm really excited to watch him. You know, I've heard some good things about him. I think he has a six-pitch mix. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I, I've watched the Nats for a while. I think this is, like, last season, I think they had one of the best bullpens I've ever seen the Nats have. I mean, they were known for not having a very good bullpen for a very long time. You got some guys, I mean, Hunter Harvey pitched a very, you know, a solid campaign for a guy that I had never heard of. I think he was on the to the Giants at one point. We don't talk he about He was claimed that. off waivers March 2022. You know, and Erasmo, Mart- sorry, Erasmo Ramirez, um, Carl Edwards Jr. Tanner Rainey's good. I just hope he comes back from surgery well. Um, you know, there's a lot of upside. And whoever this this bullpen coach is needs to start coaching the starting pitchers because something's working here. Uh, you also have to take into account they're not uh, protecting Paolo Espino to be on this roster at all. Um, I definitely think he will be. Um, he was kind of our opener type of position. He would he started a lot of games last year. Started went probably went four innings and then kind of held it and 
handed it off to the bullpen. I definitely see him getting an opportunity within this ball club. So I think the issue with Tom, your statement of the bullpen coach taking over the pitching rotation is that a lot <laughs> of these bullpen guys are failed starters. A lot of relievers are, but it's a lot more extreme where they actually failed on the major league level. I think Thaddeus Ward is like the, the first guy really coming up through the system to be a reliever. I think the yeah. Nationals in the past, while they were succeeding, had a lot of these guys coming up to fill the ranks of starters, and obviously it didn't it didn't succeed completely. Um, honestly, there if there's any good moves, if Kalame is good, if Doolittle's good, send them off, get them out of the deadline. The Nationals, obviously, these big signings got to trade them. What I don't say? think Doolittle. If Doolittle's good, I don't think they're going to move them at all. He's a he's a he's a Washington player. He's not really a national player. He plays he play he likes to play in Washington. He does very very good things in the community. So they're not going to move Doolittle. Wouldn't hurt for a prospect or it, two. It would not hurt, but it would hurt more from the uh from the standpoint of like he's he's a he's a big piece in the community. Yeah, and so, Tom, can you talk us through what this lineup's going to look like every day? Yeah, so, um, obviously, starting catcher, we got KB Ruiz. Uh, first base, we're going to have Dom Smith, right? And then Joey Meneses will be DHing. Yep. Um, and then we got Luis Garcia at second. Um, John Mark Candelaria is going to be a starting third baseman. Although we did get some good innings from uh, Ildemaro Il Vargas. He, he actually was a scrappy third baseman last season. You know, kind of a guy that just filled in. Shortstop, we got C.J. Agrams. Obviously, uh, hype is still on him. Hopefully, he can show out. Uh, left field, we're kind of stacked here. We got Corey Dickerson, Yadiel Hernandez, and Lane Thomas. Uh, Alex calls very deep in there, but he's there. Uh, center field, we got Victor Robles, potentially one of the worst hitters in baseball. Uh, he's fantastic in the field. I think there's some potential there. We got Lane Thomas. Uh, Lane Thomas will play all the outfield. He will just be moving around. And in right field, we will have most of the time Lane Thomas. But Lane Thomas can also play center field. And then starting DH is Joey Manessis. Yeah, this is certainly a baseball lineup. Uh, I mean... Yeah, no, I, I this is Robles' last chance. I mean, I we, we've seen it. It hasn't um, been for the past four years. So, well, the, I, no, I just think because they signed him, I think, to what, a one-year deal? Like, it I was... Think, they couldn't really agree on arbitration. They kind of yeah. came to some sort of agreement, and is this is ba- it, it's it's Ro- it's Robles's last year in Washington. He's not and, coming back next year. Yeah, no, and I think even if he does show signs, he's going to get traded at the deadline. In my opinion, I mean, our outfield is just like prospect wise, is just getting better. Um, so yeah, he's he's done for. Interesting, you mentioned that. Um, considering there's some regression in some prospects that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, I think that obviously we talked about Dickerson. We talked, we didn't talk about Dickerson. We do need to address the fact good signing upside. Candelario, good signing upside. Smith, good signing upside. Like th- that's what the nationals need right now. Lane Thomas. He's, I believe he came from the Cardinals. If I have that yep. correctly. And he's shown signs of life, but has never really amounted to anything, but he's also never had consistent everyday playing time. That's really what we're going to see for the first time for a lot of guys in this lineup. So 2023 is going to be a huge telling point for what the nationals are. If this rebuild is heading in the right direction or if it's not looking good in DC. Um, you mentioned that Lane Thomas tried real quick. Uh, I believe for John Lester. I mean, was, that might be one of the best trades that, you know, we've done, you know, for Lane Thomas for John Lester straight up. 
Yeah, it was it was it was straight up Lester for for Lane Thomas. We had him. We had signed him to a one year deal to try and have help have him help us make the playoffs, and he kind of uh, did the exact opposite of that. I think he was a kind of a clubhouse cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these a lot of these guys are it's it like like we've talked about they're kind of this is kind of their chance to get everyday playing time um on on this roster and at, at this point in time there's a lot with the younger guys you need to see improvement and with the older guys you want them to help with that improvement along with perform at a high enough level on the field i i agree completely i think you talked about Cabert ruiz i want to say it was in our catcher top 10 you mentioned him as an honorable mention i think you're projecting him to have a bit more of like an offensive breakout this year yeah so what what k Barrett needs to do is hit hit for power his his glove was one of the best in, in the mlb last year he needs to his approach to the plate is amazing not not crazy um or he needs he's not a out of this world hitter he's not an out of this world pitcher or defender he was coming up through the minors he's a power kind of guy with kind of suspect defense and since he got into the major leagues, he kind of flipped flipped on that, and he's been good defensively and has not really hit for a lot of power. Um, he so if if he can put power behind that bat or yeah, power behind his bat this upcoming season, I definitely think he will be within the top five of all star vote votes, um, and could possibly be our one of our all stars. But it's just so many people, so many good catchers in the in the National League that I don't know if that's possible. Uh, where has I'm I'm sorry I just can't find this. Where had he progressed defensively? He was one of the top. He was one of the top defenders, like throwing people out. Yeah, th- um, throwing. Yeah, throwing like like his, like his arm, his, his yeah. like his arm and stuff like that. Like his glove were behind the plate, like framing and stuff like that is not the best. But his arm and he can gun people out, which will kind of be shaky this year, especially with the new base sizes. I mean, I don't think that's going to make too huge of a difference in all honesty. It'll be sp- cl- bang bang plays are going to be closer, but yeah. other than that, but I, again, yeah. I think uh, how I think he was second only behind JT and th- in throwouts last I year. Think, yeah. Um. So again, he's he he's improving and he's definitely becoming more of a vocal leader on this team. Um. They had the MLB Network and and both the Martinez and Kbert <laughs> touched on this. Um. And he's he's becoming more of a vocal leader, trying to work with his pitchers and stuff like that. Especially since three three out of the five starting pitchers are younger guys that he'll get an opportunity to work with a lot. And one of the biggest people that you guys need to collect is C.J. Abrams. Talk to me about him. Dan, you want to touch on him? Yeah, no, I mean I think he's one of my players that you know I'm expecting big things from him. Um, and honestly, defensively, I think is where he's going to shine the most. Um, personally, I have him winning a gold glove um, at shortstop. And I, I think that's very, you know, reasonable to do. Um, just, I mean, like if he, his problem is, in my opinion, is his hitting, right? I mean, if he can consistently hit, it doesn't, doesn't have to be for power, but more just contact, you know, then, then we'll see like big improvements because we already know his defense is going to be there. His defense is that's his thing so i think we just have to see improvements on hitting even if it's just a little bit you know that's all we have to you know that's that's it for the year has he done stuff in the offseason where his glove has developed because he had a negative nine outs above average last year 
He had negative nine, but that was at all the positions that he played. All right, sorry, negative six negative, at shortstop. Negative six at shortstop with Washington. Um, so had he done stuff in the offseason that's making you see things like that? Is his track record through the minor leagues? Where are we looking for that? Honestly, well, I'm just looking from just watching it in general, honestly. Like, no, like, no, like, advanced statistics. But I know from, like, definitely from watching, like, just the play, like, maybe not the throws, but the, um, like, if he can just, if he can, yeah, just, you know, how, how would you want to know this? Not necessarily his throws, but the, you know, um, you know, the stopping, obviously stopping and all that. So his ability, wanna... his ability to get to the ball is kind of he there can he can like like kind of like a Bobochet type of player like he can get to a lot of different like a lot of balls like all over the field but his throw he needs to work on his arm power and stuff like that like he has the tools to do it he just needs to work on them he is well he's twenty one right yeah it sounds right um so he he has a lot of time like Trey didn't come up until I think it was like twenty four. And even when he came up, it, it took him a couple years before that power kind of clicked along with everything, all the other tools that he had. So it, it's going to take some time. The power will come as long as he continues to work with the bat. We're talking power as in his bat? Yes. So also projection-wise, is this coming from like what he did independent ball in high school? Because through the minor leagues, he has – what is he? He has three, two – 12 he has 14 career home runs in three years in the minors again he's also 19 like he again the powers uh, uh, power develops as you age so he will it will come it probably is not going to be 20 or 40 homers a, a year but he can drop 10 to 20 a year opposed so, to i don't see that coming up this next upcoming season so i'd like to move on to your prospects before we get into our like final predictions for the team um i the prospect i'm biggest on for you guys is james wood he's everyone's big on him um james wood he's a 2023 supposed to be in double a he's got a 60 future value highest in the national system he's an adam dunn comparison which is really interesting uh because i believe adam dunn if i remember this correctly has like the third worst strikeout rate per era in his career uh, but apparently like ridiculous raw power great max exit velocity at 19 years old pretty quick which means good range in center field he's a history of wrist wrist injuries what do you guys think on him i i mean i'm a james wood enthusiast too i i think this is this is one of those outliers in in the system he's a guy who i looked at i looked at all the guys all of them have alarmingly low walk rates to alarmingly high strikeout rates now james wood does strike out a lot but he also walks a lot so uh, 50 to 75 is a very good percentage uh, while also stealing 20 bags. This is a potential five to a player. I hope they can, they can max him out. They can maximize him in the minors, but this is a guy who can stretch singles into doubles hit just, I mean, if, if it's going over the fence, it's a home run. I mean, you, you, like this is a guy with raw power. He has the potential to be very good. I just hope, and this is a guy you want to build around too. So I, I think James Wood is their best prospect. Yeah, no, I, I'd hundred percent agree. And I, I don't know. I don't know where you guys would rate this on like a hot take show. I think by the end of the year, he'll be the number one prospect in MOB. I can see it. Just because you look at all these guys, in, especially in the top five that are going to move on and out of this, out of the rankings, um, that I, I think, especially, you know, the way everybody's hyping it up and, you know, what he's looking to be, I think he can definitely rise there. Uh, like, I think Alvarez. So you think he's going to pass? Where, who's above him? Elijah Green? 
because Green's ahead of him on both R and R. Not anymore. I, th- I think Steph's, Steph's not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. He's seventeenth in all of baseball. I think. Yeah. I think he's still he's still gonna fall behind guys like Diego Cartaya, who I don't think is going to make it to the pros this year, and and guys like Drew Jones, who also. Uh, the biggest one I think is Jackson Holiday. Yes, we're. Oh yeah, yeah. He ain't getting. Yeah, you're probably not gonna get above. Oh, thirteenth. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well then I'd definitely say like top five. I mean, because you know I you have a lot, you have a you have a lot of guys. Yeah, <laughs> you have a. You have a lot of guys in the top ten that are that you know that are going to move on to the majors. Um, you know Alvarez, um, Henderson, Carroll, uh, Rodriguez. Um, you know just name those are what the top four guys. You know that are pr- most likely going to move up to the MLB. Yeah, and so with James Wood, you guys also have Elijah Green, which you guys talked about. Uh, that one's a really concerning profile. Uh, his swings and misses are extreme. He's very young, but he's not projected through until twenty twenty seven. Um, so this is going to be a hopeful when the Nats are in their middle of their success. He's a reinforcement, uh, and it definitely seems like he is a long ways away. You have Brady House, who's supposed to start the year in high A. Uh, I think he's probably my second favorite in the Nats system. I have a couple. I have skepticism about Cade Cavalli. We can get to that in a minute. Um, but with Brady House, he's very well-rounded, which is really, really good. It's just that injury in 2022, which kind of sidelined most of his season. I mean, this is still a guy in like, I think it was like 250 plate appearances who only had three home runs. And that's not a big deal, but this is also uh, a guy who went from, I think, 49th in all of baseball uh, for the top 100 prospects. He's off the list now. So there's a reason for that. I, I don't think it's just the injury. I think it was also his play during that time in the minors. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about about uh, Brady House. Uh, what do you think, Stos? Brady House is, I mean, again, I think he's he's an interesting case. Um, he's he's a well-rounded player that can kind of do a lot of things. He came in as a shortstop. He's we're gonna move him to third base. Um, this that means probably this season. So that means probably the the Carter Keboom uh, era in Washington is gonna come to an end pretty soon. But I, I definitely think he has the tools. It's just a matter of can the Nats develop him, which is always the, the question at the end of the day. Fair enough. And lastly, the prospect I just mentioned, Cade Cavalli, supposed to be in the starting rotation this year. He, he only had one start last year, right? Yes, and then yes, he, and then he something ended, and, yeah. I was and there. He, they just shut him down. Yeah. Um, eh. So the projection I've read on him, which is I find most reliable, is that he can like he can throw the hell out of the ball, like get it high in velocity, but he's going to have to rely on his off-speed stuff in the major leagues. The shape on his four-seam yep. is atrocious. And yep. if that's not screaming Hunter Green, then I don't know what is. I, 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 real quick, I just want to point out, I think his one start, he gave up, I want to say, three home runs. And I believe they were all on breaking balls. Like I think he dominated on his fastball, like struck everybody out on his fastball. But then when it came to that breaking pitch, I, I believe he gave up like three home runs, like a double, like. Yeah, that's how Hunter Green was when he came into the league yeah. as well. But well, no, after yeah. the league adjusted. So um, I I think the big thing is he's got to work. He's got to work through that, and I don't recall our pitching coach's name, but I think I don't. I just don't think our coaching staff is the right has the right tools to develop these players. Agreed. So I think Cavalli, he, he he has a good fastball, but he needs to work on everything else. Jim Hickey. Control. Okay. 
yeah, no. Yeah. We need <laughs> I'd like to move into our projections, our MVP Young for this team. Tom, kick us off with everything. All right. So I'm going with the record. Um, you want me to just go through all three and then we can go pass it on. Okay, good. Um, I project their record to be 56 and 106. I this is a team that went 55 and 107 last season. Uh, and that's with half a season to help with Soto and Bell. I can only imagine what this team looks like without them for an entirety of a season. But they managed to finish with nearly an identical winning percentage without them as they did with him. That's also because of many players, including my team MVP for the season, Joey Menezes. Um, this is arguably one of the best hitters in baseball, second half of the season. Sample size wasn't huge, but it's, it's pretty significant. 56 games, OPS plus of 165, 13 home runs, 14 doubles. That would make a crazy 162 game average, but I don't know if he's going to, you know, replicate that. But he did expect, he did exceed his projected stats by uh, pretty wide margins. Um, but I still project him to be the only Nationals All-Star next year. Um, and then moving on to my most important player, it's Joey Manessis for a different reason. Um, you have a 30-year-old rookie that somehow stayed in the minors for 10 years despite playing well in AA and AAA several times. Um, he's just not a guy you build around. You don't build around a 30-year-old rookie. Um, and by the time the Nats are contending again, he won't be even playing anymore. <laughs> So if he's playing at that all-star level again this season, why wouldn't contending teams, you know, offer for him at the deadline? And w- what would they do? And then they're in a rebuild. They're getting more pieces for, you know, a potential all-star first baseman. That would help round off this rebuild. What do you guys think? That That's my most important player for a different reason than most people would think. I, I disagree with that point for most important. I also disagree that the Nats are going to move Manessis if he is playing at an all-star level, which I also don't know if he will. Um, he He's 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 such an interesting case because, again, right, it's like he, he's a 30-year-old minor leaguer, and he comes up and is in contention or in the same breath in Washington Nationals rookie history as Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and uh, Vladimir Guerrero. So – it's 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 such a weird because you have that comparison right to those three players and all three of those players have had amazing careers or had amazing careers and hall of fame careers and stuff like that so you you expect him to be good but it's just such it was such a small sample size in the majors and i don't i don't know where i see manessa's going but i don't know if he's gonna be our most important piece Aiden, what do you think yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, uh, Manessis, I, I don't think he can keep that pace that he was on last year through the whole, like, I'm not even, he doesn't even have to do the whole season to be the Nats MVP, because honestly, there's not many guys who can be the MVP on this team. Um, Obviously, you have guys, you know, that come out of, the, you know, out of left field, but I just, I, I don't see that he can keep it, especially just going out this whole season, especially when he's going to be, DHing and you're probably getting more rest. Yeah, I mean, and just ending that conversation, going into the Cy Young of the team, um, there's a lot of guys you can pick. Uh, they're all relatively in that same level. So um, I think this is this is a tough one. I honestly think it would go to relief pitcher. I, I don't know. I mean, you could get a decent campaign from Kyle Finnegan. I, he has upside. I get nervous every time he steps on the mound, but that's the same for a lot of closing pitchers. Uh, he's got quite the shoes to fill, not like crazy shoes to fill in replacing Tanner Rainey as the closer. But um, I think I think if anyone's going to show out, it's going to be a relief pitcher, and I think it will be our closer. 
And for breakout player, uh, so as you get that next, but um, for our breakout player, I've got to go with K-Bear Ruiz. I feel like if anyone's going to break out on this team offensively or defensively, it's going to be K-Bear Ruiz. And I don't think that's a hot take. I think this is a guy who's got crazy good tools. He's kind of an outlier in this this Nats team that doesn't strike out, uh, doesn't walk that much, but doesn't strike out. So he's got that good eye at the plate. I think, and especially coming from a switch hitter, you can see a lot of value from him. And I think he's going to break out offensively this season. Uh, I'm just going to disagree with your point, uh, one point, but it was that Finnegan, Finnegan was mainly our closer last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tanner Tannerini wasn't. And Tannerini's hurt, so he'll, pro- yeah. he'll probably be on our team by whenever he comes back. I don't know what's nagging him right now. But um, I'll get in. I'll get into mine. Obviously, they are going to be fifth in the analyst again, but I have him going 60 and 102, a little more uh, optimistic than Tom. Um, as far as MVP is concerned, uh, I'm very high on KBAT Ruiz, so he is my MVP for the team. I think it's it's a combination of what he's going to do on the field. I want I can see his power numbers coming, and I also see him becoming a leader on the team, which is very very important. Um, as far as most important though goes, there's there's two players I have, but I'm gonna go with Steven Strasburg. Uh, he's already hurt yet again. Uh out for with nerve damage um but we're paying him 35 million dollars um a year over the next four four seasons so he needs to get back on the field that's the that he is the most important washington national right now um when it comes to the Cy Cy young uh i think trevor williams is honestly a really good pick um uh, especially over any of the bullpen guys uh, he pitched to a 321 era last year 388 fit um Again, not crazy numbers, but definitely a lot better than any of the Washington National starters. Um, and then as far as breakout goes, I had K. Barrett, um, Abrams, or the guy I'm going to go with is Mackenzie Gore. Um, I like what Mackenzie Gore has. I like his upside, and I think he is going to to break out and become the Nats, quote-unquote, ace for this season. I like those. I um, I was right there with you. With the most support being Steven Strasburg, I think if you're paying a guy $35 million, you got to get an ounce of value from him. Um, and, you know, I know no one would take him, but say he's back and healthy for a month and he's good, maybe someone spins a D-tier prospect and $10 million a year for Steven Strasburg. Like, it's a possibility. Um, with the Cy Young and breakout, I, both, I went with both Mackenzie Gore and Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I think that he's the only one of anyone in that starting rotation in the past two or three years that has shown any signs of life in the major league level. Um, I think that Josiah Gray is really not going to hit it with the fastball. And I don't know if he's made that adjustment. I haven't seen him training online. That doesn't mean he hasn't. It just, it hasn't been broadcasted to us. Uh, and for the MVP, I went a different route. I was with Jammer Candelario. I think he's a very, very good baseball player, and I think that gets forgotten about. His 2021 was well above average. His 2020 itself was well above average, small sample size, but great player all around. And I think just having a lot less pressure on him is really just going to let him relax, hit the ball, and obviously just kind of have fun. Do do you have a record? Oh, I have them at 58 and 104. Uh, well, then I'll start off with my record. I'll go straight into it. I have them at 61 and 101. Uh, I just think a full season of, you know, the, these young guys and these, um, you know, like the free agents we signed really having nothing to lose. Um, I think it just calms everybody down. Um, 
and win 61 games. Um, my MVP, I have CJ Abrams. Um, I think he's, you know, uh, I think he's going to take a big step in just hitting in general. Um, I know averages, you know, not like around here. Um, but, you know, hit somewhere around 280 and just 275, 280. And honestly, that'll just be good enough to win an MVP um, for the Nationals. And like I said earlier, I think he wins a gold glove. I think he um, takes an improvement and wins a gold glove there. Um, breakout, I have Kiber. Um, I, you know. I that's just a simple one. Um most important I'm <laughs> would be, you know, the obviously the pitching staff, you know, just to see improvement there. But I'm gonna go more importantly, Cade Cavalli. Um, you know, we only saw one start out of him last year and then he got injured. I uh, you know, I wanna see, you know, I don't wanna obviously don't want to see him get injured this year. And I think if he doesn't, it's important to ha- you know, see some improvement from that breaking pitch. Um, and then, you know, I'll be fine there. And then Cy Young, I'm going to go Josiah Gray. Um, I, you know, he's, he's the number one starter for this team and I think he's just going to carry it. Um, and he'll end the season as the number one. Um, but I think, you know, looking at, if you even look at next year, there's many guys that'll probably take it away from him. All right. So that'll do it for the Washington Nationals. Thank you, Aiden, for joining with us. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the second half of this episode where we're going to talk about the Miami Marlins. All right. So back from the break and we're going to hop into the Miami Marlins. Honestly, this seems super exciting. We always talk about the high end pitching of this team, but just the absolute lack of a bat. And that's what we saw in 2022. This team went 69 and 93. Uh, Sandy Alcantara went out and won the signing award. He won it pretty convincingly too, through a ton of innings. He lasted a while. Uh, and then all their offensive signings that were supposed to help the team did absolutely nothing. I think it's a fair fair recap of the 2022 Miami Marlins. That's valid. Yeah. All right. So, Tom, can you talk us through the offseason acquisitions and departures? So, in the offseason, they acquired uh, right-hand pitcher JT Chargua for right-hand pitcher Marcus Johnson. Uh, and then the big move, obviously, Luis Arias going to Minnesota for right-hand pitcher Pablo Lopez and their number five prospect, Jose Salas. Uh, another big move in the offseason is Jazz Chisholm moving to center field. Um, will that make a big difference? I think it will. Um, signing infielder Gene Segura, the Philly legend, to a two-year deal and a club option for the third year. And I think one of the most underrated moves they did was signing Jody Cueto, who had a very good season out in Chicago, uh, to a one-year deal. Uh, that also includes a buyout for the 24, sorry, 2024 season. Uh, they acquired middle infielder Jacob Amaya from the Dodgers in exchange for Miguel Rojas. Uh, they acquired left-hand pitcher A.J. Puck from the uh, Athletics for J.J. Blede, one of the highest prospects in the system that wasn't turning out very well. How do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? Is it- J.J. Blede. Okay. Uh, they acquired left-hand pitcher A.J. Puck from Oakland in exchange for J.J. Blede. Um, and then they acquired Matt Barnes from Boston in exchange for right-hand pitcher Richard Blyer. Blyer. So I think we got a hot right to the biggest move of their offseason. When they got Luis Arise, that kind of like that was their big move of the offseason. It really looked like they were going contact first and the signings that Tom just mentioned, they they follow that. Um, what do you guys think about this trade? I know we've talked about it, but like how does this we're only gonna look at it from a Marlins perspective? What do you guys think about uh, this? Yeah. That's fair. Um, I mean, they got rid of Pablo Lopez. They have a lot of backup at the starting pitching position. So it wasn't a terrible move. And Pablo Lopez has kind of been stagnant the last couple of years. I think it was kind of a good move. Gets him uh, in a new situation, kind of a breath of fresh air, right? 
Then, but the big thing here is they give up their a number five prospect, which I think fell to thirteen in the Twins, uh, if I remember properly, um, for Luis Arias. Um, it, it, what we had kind of anticipated because they had been shopping Pablo Lopez the whole offseason was them getting stuff back, but instead they gave up Lopez and a prospect. Yeah, they got a better guy. They get the AL batting title or AL batting champion in Luis Arias, but. Uh, I think we were kind of expecting them to get more incoming, kind of like and get outfield, which I guess they ended up getting when they they traded for Luis Rise. They put a rise at um at second. They're gonna move have Gene Segura play third, and then they're gonna and then they shoot Jazz out to the outfield. So I guess they get another outfielder. But Jazz Chisholm was injured a lot of last season, and he's not the best defender. Doesn't have the best arm, so I don't know how he's gonna play in center field. We talked about that a little bit in our center field rankings. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. I, I just I, I just think you know what you're getting with Luis Rice. He has shown no signs of slowing down. He's been pretty consistent since he came since he's come up. There's no really not a down season in there. He's been a consistent over 300 batter, which we don't like looking at, but he's a, he's a slap hitter. He's a contact hitter. And this season we saw some pop, not from the home run standpoint, but he's actually hitting for extra bases now. Um, I like this move. I think there's so much so much talent on the pitching side for the Marlins that you needed to go out and get a bat. Um, and I think Luis Arias might fit in this lineup pretty well. I, 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 I'm I not sure what the Marlins are looking for here, but I think replacing one of your, your number two pitcher with one of the best hitters in baseball is, is pretty good for an offseason move. Yeah. I, I didn't think, I think this trade would have been a lot better if the Marlins didn't also give up a prospect in it. Um, I think the uh, other move that Tom mentioned, Johnny Cueto, that happened like right before the trade happened. So it was kind of like, all right, they got Cueto. Lopez is gone. Um, that AJ Puck, they just acquired from Oakland for JJ Blade. I think it's a really interesting move because JJ Blade was like a touted prospect in the outfield and they need offense. And then they, the guy had a rough like 200 at bat sample size and they're like, all right, we're done. Go to Oakland, go die. And they got AJ Puck. Uh, yeah, I mean that that is true, but we'll we'll get in more of this. But I I think their outfield is pretty stacked, and I I, I don't want to say stacked is in like already established stacked, but there are four guys in this outfield that have potential to be stars, and who have already proven to be stars. Um, I mean I'll talk about them actually just really quick. You got Avasiel Gar- Garcia, who was very good two seasons ago and before. You got Brian De La Cruz, who is bound to break out, Jazz Chisholm. And then you got Jesus Sanchez, which is a guy, I don't know if a lot of people know about him, but he hits the ball very far and very hard. Uh, it's just a matter of whether he can make that adjustment and become more of a you know contact hitter. Yeah. I think their outfield is probably their, I guess, like highest ceiling is in terms of production. Um, I'm going to run through the lineup real quick. So every day leading off, Luis Arise, second base. Got Gene Segura at third, which contact, contact right there. Uh, Jazz Chisholm in center field. We saw some signs of life from him last year. Like he's the cover of MLB the show. He's supposed to be like a new face of baseball. They need that to they need that to happen. Uh, Garrett Cooper's at first. He is their right-handed slugger. He is their their big Steve. Um, we, we got Alessio Garcia in right field. Tom mentioned that he needs a bounce back season. Everyone on that team needs a bounce back season. Uh, Jorge Soler is right after him, DHing on the daily basis because you do not want that man in your outfield. Uh, 
you know, Joey Wendell at shortstop, which is really interesting because I'm not entirely sure Joey Wendell has ever played a major league baseball game at shortstop. I'm going to pull that up right now just to just to give it a double check. But uh, Joey Wendell, oh, he, he has, has played shortstop. He's not very good at shortstop, though. No, he That's actually, over the past got, two seasons, he has three outs above average in each individual season at shortstop. Does he really? Yeah. I, thought it, I thought it was negative. Yeah, he does. No, he, no, he was negative two at third. Yeah, okay. last right. season. Good job, Joey. You may actually be competent. And then he was right he was average. He was average pretty much all the way until he came is until twenty twenty one at shortstop, and then he went up to three. And then uh, hitting eighth, we got Brian De La Cruz, is a switch hitter, uh, big breakout candidate. Had one of the best just batted ball metrics last year, uh, and he got unlucky. So we're gonna see if it's whether he's just someone that underperforms his expected stats or if he's a legit stud. Uh, the Marlins need him to be. And lastly, their defensive catcher, Jacob Stallings. I mean, it's kind of a... It, 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 on paper, it's not a terrible-looking lineup. But then you look at the other teams in the division, and you're like, this team just doesn't stack up. Hmm. And if... Okay, so let's assume let's assume that all these players play to their ceiling, right? Even then, I don't know if this team beats out the Phillies unless... Or or the Braves or the Mets, unless all of them play to their floor, like it's gonna be hard for this team to make the playoffs because Padres and Dodgers are probably locked up somewhere over there. Obviously, the Central is gonna get its team, and then you have the top half of this division. So it's gonna be hard for the Marlins to make it in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think like the issue with last year is that instead of like everyone like performing average or something, they all just hit the floor. Like the the poop was flying all over the flan, uh, the the fan. It goes spinny spinny. And yeah. then just the pitching rotation was actually pretty good. It was one of the best in baseball. I think it was a top 10 in pretty much everything for starting rotation. The bullpen was rather lackluster. Um, it's just this offense needs to make some progression. Adjustism needs to be healthy. I think if you want to talk about it just a little bit, my most important for them uh, if I can't do every single bat in the lineup is Jazz Chisholm. Um, and I, Stavs, you mentioned the idea of a floor and a ceiling. That is an exercise I wanted to do for each team. Um, yeah. what, what, what's the floor for this team? Like record wise? Yeah. I mean, I think you gotta say, I think you gotta say like 70 games has to be the floor. Better than last season's their I, floor. I, I would say their yeah. floor is last season. I think they are only going to get better this season with the acquisitions they've made. I think the worst they can do is last season. I think you have to make improvements. I think this is a team with an extremely high ceiling. I, I on, on, the, on the contrary, obviously. I think they can be a team that can maybe hit 85 wins. I'm not even – I'm, I'm – I, is, that, is that exaggeration? I don't think it is. I think if you're getting production – you get a like a you get a breakout from Brian De La Cruz. You go back. Uh, you get a breakout from Jesus Lazardo, who is also itching to break out. I'm. Uh, we could talk about that one later. Uh, if you get comeback seasons from the the four guys that I that I'm talking about here, uh, I mean guys that have you've got a lot of guys on this team that have succeeded in the past. You got Jorge Soler, Garrett Cooper, Vasiel Garcia, and Trevor Rogers. All these guys have done well in the past. Last season was just not it. So if it can all click simultaneously for this team. It's it's a pretty good team, and and this team could you know sneak into the playoffs backside if everyone else hits their floor and they hit their ceiling. And so, Stevs, do you kind of agree with the eighty-five win ceiling? Because I think I'm a little bit lower on the Marlins, in all honesty. 
I think they're more of a think, 500 team at best. I, I would agree with that. I don't. I think Tom's the only one out of us three, at least, that are high on this Marlins team, especially since they are playing in the NL East. So they're gonna have to go up against the Phillies and the and the Mets and the Braves multiple times. Um. So I, I just I don't I don't I don't see them being an 85 win team. I don't. I think the other issue that comes with that is they will have to play every team. So they're going to play like Mets, Phillies, Braves a little bit less than normal, but that means they're going to get introduced to the four weapons of the West. They're going to have to face the AL West. They're going to have to face the AL East. They do get to play the Centrals. Um, Oh, Uh, and then like, sure, put the Marlins in the NL Central and maybe they're competing for something, but I would agree with that. I would, I would say that the Marlins ceiling it's kind of like an average Brewers, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, you can go back and look at every individual player on this team and look at their best season and their percentiles were all red. I mean, if you can get half the steps, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that, Stavs. Nope. You're a hater. Um, I'm, I'm Trevor not. Rogers, you can't, you can't take, nope, you can't a- take the upside of a sample size and say, all of these players are going to be like you can't do that. They also yes, have to you click can. together as a. I mean, yes, okay. you can. You also, they also have to click together as a team, right? So if all those if all those things are moving at a good pace and on target, right? All of them are, are they're getting on, they're getting in. They have to work as a team, and I don't know if that's going to happen. They're also again, I just don't see this team making the playoffs. They could win. They could win eighty five games. But they're not gonna. They're not better than the Phillies. They're not better than the Mets, and they're not better than the Braves. I mean, I'm gonna just try and do this as fast as I possibly can. But th- this starting rotation in Sandy Alcantara, Jesus Lazardo, Johnny Cueto, Edward Cabrera, and Taylor Rogers. Or sorry, Trevor Rogers. Man, there's so many Rogers. Anyways, Trevor Rogers. If if you get Trevor Rogers to go back to what he was last season, or even a season before, that's a, one of the best starting rotations in all of baseball, if not the best. I mean, this is the only reason that they're not regarded as one of the best is because they don't have the offense to actually win them games. And now you have all these potential players to break out on offense. I don't see why they don't shock the world and, you know, do go above 500. Yeah, I think the problem is where you're counting on too many breakouts. I like, mean, sure, so- there, there might be a couple. Like, I, I, I'm a high believer in Brian De La Cruz. I like him. Yeah. I I'm a big Jesus lizard person. Uh, yeah. He'd be walking in the sandals. Like I think he's, I I believe in what that September sample size was last year. I believe in that sweeping slider. What's up, Steps? No, you you keep going. I'll go. I'll go after. Steps you. is a Marlins oh. hater. Go ahead. Um, I I like that he throws his pitches similar to Sandy Alcantara. Like he's mixing up pitches. He's mixing up location. And he really just – he jams right into the forcing fastball, which I think is beneficial to getting soft contact. We saw him last year struggle with hard exit velocities. If he can fix that, then it'll be beneficial to him. Uh, this is Jesus Cesardo. Obviously, we have Snatty. But, like, it's – I want to buy into this team, but I can't. I'm buying. I'm in. I'm I'm exactly on Brad's. I really – I like the team. On paper, I said it. It's a great team. It's just – not a playoff team yet they go through and somehow they're close to a playoff spot a wild card spot and they go out and make a move and try and get somebody big that's definitely a good move the rotation itself is amazing but then you kind of look at the hit the the lineup that we've been talking about and there's a lot of injury concerns i see like jorge soler i don't I, i'm i'm concerned with his injury history and i i so i don't 
there's a lot there's a lot that you're Tom you're banking on that this team is going to hit their ceiling but I don't I don't see them hitting their ceiling uh before we go into our final predictions obviously I just want to cover uh, I was looking at EV analytics another website that does projections uh the Marlins have the seventh best bullpen in baseball they have one of the best rotations in baseball I'm talking I'm not saying everyone's reliant on on breakouts all across the board because you're going to get consistency from pitching. The Marlins are a consistent pitching team. They are always going to be good at pitching. You need one or two players to come back. You need Jorge Soler to hit 30 home runs. You need Avasiel Garcia to, you know, at least do something on the offensive side. You need to get a full season of health from Jess. You don't need all of them to happen, but you need some of them to happen. And I believe that with the additions of um Gene Segura, I mean Gene Segura is not like an offensive powerhouse. But, but I mean, you also got guys now in Luis Arias and you got, you, this is a scrappy team. And I think that the offense is going to click this season and you only need I, a couple pieces for that. I definitely think they're going to mesh well. And I think they're going to be a fun team to watch, but I don't, again, I don't see them making the playoffs, but they also have to go back to the old jerseys. That is the, that will fix them. Aren't they bringing back the, the Florida Marlins, baby, the Florida yeah. Marlins blues. It's beautiful. Yeah. If they go back, I guarantee you they're going to be good. Um, But Without further ado, no, nope, Steph- I think we have prospects to talk about first, Tom. Okay. Uh, the only really big one I want to touch on is Yuri, uh, Yuri Perez. Yeah. Uh, they have J- Jordan Gershon, who they got in the middle of 2022, but I'm kind of out on him. Uh, he hasn't performed in the minors. He's going to be a bench bat. That's the other thing I want to mention. The bench, not deep. Anyways, Yuri, he's six seven with insane control, and he's 19. Uh, that's scary. Uh, he's like, he's, he's ridiculous. He's got a really good fastball that has good control. It's up to 96 to 98 consistently. We saw what he could do in the futures game last year, a good changeup, a good slider. I think the Marlins can produce pitching and someone's going to get hurt at some point. Hopefully it's not snatty and Yuri Perez is going to come up or get traded and then maybe get a bat and Tom's magical wet dream of them making the playoffs happens. I just think it's, I just think there's so much going on here. And I, I just, I want to be the guy that was like, man, I should have listened to Tom before the insane Marlins 2023 run happened, you know? And I, I, I'm not just banking on that. I'm banking on the fact that there is a lot of talent on this team and a lot of potential. I, I they're just, they're just oozing with potential, man. I just, I really need to see it. I, I'm, I'm excited. All right, Stevs. All right. I'll kick it off. Um, so standings wise, obviously I have them fourth in the NL East. I have them going seventy seven and eighty five. Um, MVP, I feel like it has to be Sandy. Um, he's kind of the centerpiece of this Marlins franchise, along with Jazz. Um, Cy Young will then also go to Sandy at that point. Uh, most important, I don't want to say Sandy again because it's probably going to be Jazz. His injuries and stuff like that. He needs to come out. He needs to play a decent center field, um, and he needs to put all the pieces together to have a healthy and very good season and then breakout player we've talked about him a bunch it's brian brian de la cruz we we mentioned him a bunch of times at this point throughout all of our episodes uh his percentiles are off the charts uh and everything is pointing to him having a breakout season in 2023 um i mean so uh i had the record at 83 and 79 that's closer to the ceiling that i listed them as but I think it's more than it can. It's more than likely it can happen. It can happen. Uh, the team MVP is going to be Sandy against Natty. He's just very good. Um, I mean, he's going to provide the innings. He's going to last a long time out there, and that's what you need from your starting pitcher. One, that's what you need from your ace. 
Um, as for most important player, I kind of split it between Jazz and Jorge Soler, both two players with all-star potential that also struggle with injuries. Uh, if you can get a full season out of one of the two, they're, they're going to produce all offensively, and that's what you need. Um, as for Cy Young, Sandy, again, um, it's pretty easy to go on Sandy every time. But um, for my breakout, I had it split between Brian De La Cruz and Jesus, sorry, Jesus Lazardo. Um, I think both of them are bound for a breakout, and I'm, I'm nearly 100% confident that both of them will have a very good uh, season. Uh, I am not nearly as high on the Marlins as you guys are. Uh, I have seen what they have been the past couple of years. And it just feels like there's other other teams primed in the National League to succeed, right? In order for the Marlins to succeed, that would mean the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, and to some degree, the Phillies all fail. Like, I, I think it's likely that that a couple of those teams you mentioned do fail. I don't think the Phillies I, I don't I don't think they're gonna be in that playoff conversation. I think it'll be like a couple a couple teams out. I think maybe one or two teams out of the playoffs. I think the issue that I see here is your record, Tom. It is the Orioles record from last year, and this team doesn't feel like the Orioles. It doesn't feel like they have an Adley Rutschman. Yeah, so. I mean, but but also you gotta you gotta take into consideration that the Orioles only became the Orioles that you perceived them as during the second half of the season when Adley did come up. If if they had Adley the whole season, they would have won closer to ninety games, and I think we can agree on that. <laughs> snatty, snatty. Um, so I have them at seventy-one and ninety-one. I think they improved, but I don't think they. I don't think counting on every single person to break out as a safe bet especially so, considering what we've seen them as so for me i was i i had I, I was debating for me it was 72 to 77 games that they had that's where my range was for them not as like a floor ceiling but like what i actually wanted to predict so i ended up going with the 77 but i can definitely see that i just think that there's too many other good teams right like you have the three teams in the East, two or three teams in the central and three or four teams in the West. And I think the Marlins, I don't think they're better than the diamondbacks. I don't think they're better than the giants. I don't think they're, they're comparable to the Cubs in their volatility. And they're not better than the Phillies. And those are a lot of teams that, that you need to be better than. Uh, and something lastly I wanted to give them is a volatility rating where like the nationals have a very low volatility rating because we know they're going to suck. What would you guys give the volatility rating of this team? What's the scale? Like very, like a high is like they could have a really good win record, but uh, they could also be really, really bad. A medium ones where it's like, it's going to be in like a five I mean, or six win so range. Again, it's for me, it's the health and of everyone. Like I, I think I think there's definitely a high possibility if if Jazz is out for a large majority of the season and Jorge Soler is out for a large majority of the season, like you lost you you just lost two very, very important offensive weapons. And that's gonna bring their ceiling down a lot and their floor down a lot. So I, I don't see how that's volatility, but um like by volatility, I mean like, given the the roster given, is there like an extremely high ceiling and a very high low floor? Is it kind of in like a five to six win range, like top and bottom, or do we kind of know they're going to suck? They're going to be decent, or they're going to be good? 
I think out of all the teams in the LLB, this should be one of the highest, if not the highest, on our volatility rating. This is a team with a high ceiling and a very low floor. I think other than maybe like a team like the Brewers or, you know, like you know, there's a couple other teams in this league that have high ceiling, low floors, could be sellers at the deadline. This is probably one of the highest in the league because there's a lot of upside on this team, but there's also, as we've seen in the past, a lot of room for error. That's fair. I mean, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that there's a couple teams like that are going to be a lot better than them overall, but still have a very high volatility given their possible records. Um, I think Sandy Alcantara is their MVP because Snatty. I think he's their Cy Young Award winner because uh, he did just win a Cy Young Award. Uh, their breakout, I have Edward Cabrera, big Edward Cabrera guy. Still have flashbacks from MLB The Show 2021. Uh, and their most important is Jazz Chisholm. I think it, there's not much of an argument to it. I think if this guy's healthy, there's something to this team. Like they might, they have a chance. And healthy and how he played in 2022. If he's healthy and how he played in 2021, it doesn't matter if he's healthy or not. I think that's fair. That's true. Yeah, that's definitely fair. All right. Any lasting thoughts on the Miami Marlins? I'm just ready so. to I'm just ready for this to cue to a epic montage of the 2023 Marlins season and you guys hating. Just be ready. October's coming around. They're not gonna make the playoffs, but if they win over 80 games, this is gonna be a great montage. This is gonna I, be a dope montage, I think. We <laughs> also have to be ready for if that doesn't happen and just clown on Tom. So nope. Just, I'll do just that even if they win. don't go win 80 okay. games. Or even if they do win 80 games. Can we go with that? All right. Yep. Okay. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next time on the 4 Baseball Podcast. We're going to keep pumping out these team previews, projections, everything like that. If you want to interact with us at all, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, anything like that will be in the description below. Thank you all for listening. We will see you all next time. Peace.